hey, it's great to be here this morning. I want to thank you guys for letting me come and speak. Pastor Daniel asked me to come and uh, share a message on continuing this series. How many of you guys know what series we've been in? Revelations. What's the name of it? Okay, here, I'm going to, maybe we should just like stop right now. I should just say, hey, we're doing a series called It Shall Come to Pass. That's all you got to know, and then I can leave. No, we're doing a series, we're in the middle of this, we're, we're talking about it shall come to pass. I want to share with you guys real quick the verse that this came from. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32 say this, and it shall come to pass. That's crazy, right? Whoa, mind blowing. No, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's an awesome promise right there, right? What's this saying? It's saying that there's going to come a time when God is just going to pour out his spirit. God is going to just do some awesome and some incredible things. Let me tell you guys, right now, we're kind of seeing some awesome and some incredible things. How many of you guys in the last couple months have seen a blood moon? You went outside, you saw it, maybe you saw it on a, I've never seen one actually in person because I slept through both of them, sadly, but I got to see people's pictures of them, which is just as good. Facebook is like you're there, right? I mean, if I see it on Facebook, I was there, right? Just like last night, I was at the game. The Michigan State, Ohio State game. Uh, I, I was there. I didn't put anything on Facebook, though. I didn't want people to know I was there. But, but if I, I saw pictures of the blood moon. God is doing some incredible things. God says, I will do awesome signs in the heavens, and then these things shall happen. He says, I'll pour out my spirit. How many of you guys would love just God to pour out his spirit more and more? I think, I think most of us sitting here, well, at least those of you that raise your hands, the rest of you might still be sleeping because it's so early. But I think most of us would say, man, it would be awesome to see God pour out his spirit more and more. And let me tell you, God is doing, God is doing awesome things all around the world. There are people that are, that are being healed, that are being freed from bondage, that limbs are being restored. You can hear awesome things about, in other countries, people literally raising back to life, rising back to life when being dead and being prayed for, and incredible stuff. And God is even doing incredible stuff here. But I think something that's going to hold us back is our minds, because sometimes we're like, oh, Oh, I gotta be. I gotta make sure I'm. I'm cool, or I'm doing what's trendy, or I'm thinking about the people inside of me. When God's saying, "Don't worry about that." There's gonna come a day when God is gonna do incredible things, and those of you that are ready, God is gonna be there. God's gonna be ready to open up the heavens and pour out. I love that verse that she shared. Pour out a blessing so big, but we gotta make an action. We gotta make a step in order for that to happen. Just like that said in Malachi chapter three. So, so I'm continuing this series. It shall come. To pass, I just want to—I just want to answer a quick question. Why would we do a series like this? Why would we do it? Because I think a lot of times when we think about stuff that's happening in the world, I flip on the news, 
and it kind of, it's like an instant depressant. Have you guys ever noticed that? If you're feeling a little too happy for a day, just turn on CNN, turn on Fox News. It'll help. It'll calm you down. You'll, you'll start to feel a little bit more depressed or whatever. It's so, when you look at the things that are happening in the world, it's just like, oh my goodness, really? This kind of stuff is happening? We live in West Michigan, so we're kind of sheltered from a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world. And it's, it's getting more crazy and more intense, right? So, so sometimes it's good to just see what the Bible talks about, about things that are going on, because the Bible's very clear about things that are going to happen, how things are going to lay out, and what's going to happen in the future. And then I love this verse because it says, and there shall come a time when God's going to pour out his spirit on his people. It's not pour out his spirit on everyone. It's the people that are truly just passionately and, you know, doing the Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seeking after him with everything they have. So the reason we're doing this series is so that we as believers, I'm just assuming that everyone in here believes in Jesus Christ and has him as their Lord and Savior. If you don't, at the end of service, we can get that taken care of and you can ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But as believers in Christ, we are sitting in a position where we can look at what's going on in the world and we understand it in a different way than someone that's not living for God. Because there's this perspective of the person that is saved and living for God, and then there's a perspective of the person that's not living for God. So what does the Bible say? Pastor Daniel went through several things that it talks about in Matthew that's going to happen. Several different things that are going to happen. Today, I want to talk to you guys, if you're taking notes, which I would encourage all of you to take notes. I'm sure all of you have a smartphone. So if you have a smartphone... Or maybe you don't have a smartphone. Maybe you have a not-so-smartphone. Mine's not-so-smart sometimes, too. Uh, pull it out. Take notes on it. Text it. Text things to yourself. I'm just going to give you guys three points. Actually, yeah, three points today. The title of today's message, though, is a hostile moment. A hostile moment. How many of you guys have ever heard the term or the saying, shot heard around the world? I think most of you have probably heard that. The shot heard around the world is a reference. It's been used over and over again because it's such a cool saying. Um, but it was first referenced in a poem that was talking about the beginning of a war, that, that uh, our, our independent war. And it was talking about the first shot that happened. Now, no one actually knows the first shot that happened. But it's talking about the first shot that happened that started the whole war. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose to you guys, and I think you'd agree with me, that we're kind of at a moment in our world where there's so much hostility going on that literally someone could wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, they're, they're a little grumpy. They haven't had their 16 cups of Starbucks coffee. They haven't been on Facebook in at least three days. Twitter, their Twitter account got locked because someone hacked into it or something. You know, they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. They could do something really stupid, something really foolish. And literally, it's almost like our world could go into another world war like that. Just because someone does something crazy. Like, there's so much hostility in our world. Our world's, like, it's just full. It's just ready to explode. Have you guys ever... Uh, filled up a water balloon and you hold it on the hose and you keep holding it and you're like, I think it can get just a little bit bigger because it'll hurt that much more when I throw it or something like that. But you just hold it on there just for a second longer and what happens eventually it goes and it just blows up, right? I can't make a good water balloon popping noise apparently. <laughs> I don't know. It just blows up. 
the world seems like it's right at that moment. Like right at that last moment where people are just trying to get another inch or, or another, you know, just a little bit more in there. And it seems like it's just about ready to explode. The world is at a hostile moment today. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Before I get going any farther, I want to pray. And the reason I want to pray is God is a little bit smarter than I am. Uh, I don't know if you know that. I'm not that smart compared to God. His ways are higher than my ways. You know, I've got my ideas, but we want his ideas today. So let's go ahead and let's pray. We're going to pray that God opens up our heart, opens up our minds, open up our, our eyes so we can see and our ears so we can hear from his word. So if you guys would bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the ability that we can be in here today. Lord, we thank you that even though the world may be kind of crazy, things may seem like they're going out of control. Thank you that we can stand on you as our firm foundation. Thank you that we have hope, Lord. Hope for a future because we know you. Thank you for the fact that we just can sit and rest in your joy and your patience and your love. Lord, we just ask right now that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds so that we can hear from you. Lord, let us have eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, what you want to tell us today. Lord, we just love you and we thank you and we praise you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Okay. So have you guys ever noticed that Israel is such a big deal? Have you ever, have you ever noticed that every day you could turn on the news and hear something about Israel? Do you ever hear anything about like, I don't know, some place in Australia? You know, you never hear, Australia is so much bigger than Israel. But you, every day you flip on the news and there's something going on in Israel. There's something going on in Israel. Oh, look, this is going on in Israel. Oh, look, this is going on. This is going on. Every day you flip it on and it's just like, oh, the prime minister of Israel is doing this. Or, oh, look, these people are mad at Israel. Oh, look, these people are trying to hurt Israel. Or, oh, look, Israel launched a rocket because something happened. It's like every day you turn on the news and there's something going on with Israel. Do you know that Israel is a relatively tiny like, so tiny. Like, you could bike across Israel pretty fast with a bike. It would take you a little bit of time, but you could do it. It's so small. Why is something that is so small in relation to the United States, in relation to, you know, Canada, in relation to Mexico, why is something so small such a big deal? Why is something that is so small such a big deal. I've always kind of wondered this. Like, what in the world's up with Israel, you know? It's kind of what it's like. It's like, what's, what's up with the Israel thing? So, yet people have to just quit the Israel thing, and it seems like it'd be a lot better. But it kind of goes all the way back, and this is where I want to start. I want to talk to you guys about an ancient hatred. So if you're taking notes, write down ancient hatred. See, there's an ancient hatred that has been around literally since the beginning of creation. Since God created Adam and Eve, there is a hatred that has existed all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. That's where I want to start with you guys today. Let's go through the story of creation. What happened? God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the trees and the plants and, you know, the lakes and the sun and all this stuff. And then he took this little dude named Adam. Actually, he's probably about my size. I mean, I'm average, so if he was average... 
He's about my size. So he, he stuck this guy named Adam in a garden, said the, it's not good that he be alone. So he created this girl named, he created this girl named, we can go back to the kindergarten room if you want. They're probably teaching it. He created this girl named, thank you. He created this girl named Eve. He stuck Adam and Eve in this garden and he said, go forth, multiply, fill the earth. You know, he gave them a blessing, right? And he said, the only thing that you can't do is you can't eat from this tree. This tree of knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat from that one. But this other tree over here, this tree of life, I'm sure he really emphasized that. Life, not like life cereal in a box. I mean, literally a tree of life. He said, you can eat from this tree. And to make a long story a little shorter, Adam and Eve end up eating from the tree that they weren't supposed to, but it was because they were tricked by the serpent, the devil, the enemy, right? He slithered in there like a little snake. If a snake started talking to me, I probably wouldn't listen, but apparently Eve would. Um, so he's, so even, even the snakes start having a conversation, and the snake says something to the effect of, are you sure God said you'll die if you eat this? You know, are you positive? And he, he, he begins to twist the word of God so that she ends up taking this apple because it looked good. I don't know if it was actually an apple. That's just what they portray it as. So she takes this apple and she bites into it. And she eats it. And then she hands it to her husband and he eats from it. And it was good. And then what happens is that moment, there was a blessing that was broken, kind of, or a connection that was broken between God and his creation, Adam and Eve. And it all kind of accumulates to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is what it says. It says, Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and, all, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And then look at what verse 15 says. This is huge. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise, she shall, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what's happening right here? God looks at Satan, looks at the devil and says, because you've done this, because you tricked, because you slithered your way and you did this great evil, basically. He says, because you've done this, I'm going to make a, a distinction between you and the seed of her. And through the seed of her, your destruction is going to come. What, do you, what, what does it say? It's a, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. How do you bruise a heel? You got to be underneath it, right? So this is, what, this is what God's saying. He's saying, Satan, this is what's going to happen. You know, that kind of thing. Have you guys ever squished a spider or something? And then you go like this. Eee. I did that the other day. And you stomp on it. You, like, you want to stomp on it just enough to kill it but not squish it. Right? Because you don't want to have to clean it up. Satan's saying, Satan, God's saying to Satan, you're going to get squished. Probably a little harder and we're going to have to clean some stuff up. But you're going to get squished. You're going to, from the seed of that woman is going to come 
someone that is going to defeat you. God looks at Satan and says, through that woman that you just deceived because you wanted to bring destruction, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God said, even through the seed of that woman that you tried to bring destruction, I'm going to bring blessing. Thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to bring life and life abundant. So at this moment, there's this hatred that begins. All of a sudden, the enemy, the serpent, the devil says, I've got to begin to destroy the seed of that woman. Because from the seed of that woman comes my destruction. So he begins to craft schemes against the seed of that woman. Well, if you follow that woman's child, you know, the child and the child and the child and the child, you come to this guy named Abram. God looks at Abram, and I've got the verse. God looks at Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So all of a sudden, God comes to this guy named Abraham, who is in the seed line of this woman and says, through you is where the blessing's gonna travel. Through you. Well, there's a problem here. This guy named Abram, his name was changed to Abraham, meaning a father of many, The problem is the dude didn't have any kids. So just like all of us try to do at times when things don't seem to be going right, we try to take matters into our own hands and the dude just messes everything up. He just messes everything up. If you follow in Genesis chapter 16, he took his maidservant, actually his wife gave him permission to do this customs of the day, weird stuff, but he he took matters into his own hands and tried to have kids on his own instead of trusting that God said through him he will be um, he'll be many nations and he tried to take matters into his own hands and I'm not going to go through all this, but if you read Genesis chapter 16 through honestly Genesis chapter 21, you begin to see this big huge anger, hatred that begins to stir because Abraham tried to take matters into his own hands. The problem is this. When you say that blessing will travel, when you say that blessing will travel from, through one person, actually, Jason, do you have that picture of that family tree? The whole family tree? I've got a picture for you guys. It's a picture of Abraham. Okay, okay, you guys see this? This is Abram up at the top, or Abraham, his name was changed to. And these are all of his descendants. God says that through him, the world will be blessed, right? So you see how there's the blue line that goes like Abram and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and then Jake. You see that? Blessing travels through one line of the family tree, one branch of the family tree. Well, what happens is all these other people get excluded from the blessing. Jason, do you have another picture of the family tree? When you, 
when you have it travel from one, see, it just travels through that line. All those other people that were up there but are no longer up there, do you think they're going to be happy that the blessing doesn't travel through them? I mean, how would you like it if Christmas Day you woke up and all the presents were for someone else and you got nothing? Just like nothing. I mean, hopefully you'd be like, wow, that was kind of stinky and you wouldn't go like do something crazy. But when, when blessing travels through one family line, it rejects a lot of other people. Well, those other people have kids and they have kids and then they have kids. And eventually what happens is you get clans living next to each other or you get little villages where like this village has the blessing traveling through them, but this other village doesn't. Well, do you think they're going to be happy? Or do you guys just not care? I don't think they'd be happy. Everyone say, no. Man, you guys need to get some interaction on. No. I see like, we're going to do this one more time. I'm watching you. Yeah? You going to do it? All right, ready? No. <laughs> Come on. You guys are too serious. Man, you guys are living in the blessing. But it's not through your family line. It's through a different line. What? <laughs> no. That's what my daughter does. I'll, I'll be like, Joe, she'll say she has a wet diaper. This is totally off topic, but she'll be like, I have a, she'll be like, what? And I'll be like, do we need to go change your diaper? No. I'm like, come on. Anyways, what happens is this. Hostility starts building because of this ancient hatred that exists for two reasons. First of all, there's this spiritual side of blessing where God said through the seed of that woman is going to come the one that's going to defeat the enemy. So there's that spiritual hatred, but then there's another type of hatred. There's just the physical, like, why do they get the blessing and not me? Come on. Mom, why are they getting the blessing and not me? You know, I can imagine like a 13-year-old, like, come on. Three people thought it was funny. Man, I'm just going to start doing comedy up here. So you got this ancient hatred that is just stirring and bubbling. It kind of leaves the question of like, well, what now? What now? What's going to happen if the world is so hostile and there's this ancient hatred that's just bubbling, this jealousy? I wrote down generational jealousy and hatred. Isn't that just so true? It just seems like when you look over there, people are angry at each other and they don't even know why. Well, it's because my mom was angry at Aunt Susie. So I'm angry at it. You know, it's, it's just like, it's so, it, it's so crazy. So it's like, well, what can we expect now? Um, Psalms has a lot of different things that happen in it. And Psalms 83 is a very interesting Psalm. Psalms 83 depicts a war as if it's happening, but yet it hasn't happened yet. So what would we call that? We would call that Prophecy? Yeah, you guys are good. Uh, so so it's, it's a prophecy about a war. Psalms 83, I wrote down, I wrote down, if you're taking notes, just write down uh, the big moment. I was really creative with that one. <laughs> the big moment that 
All caps. Yeah, you can do it all caps. At least big has to be all caps. Uh, The big moment, Psalms 83. Um, Psalms 83 starts out and says this, Oh God, do not keep silence. Do not keep silence. It says, Do not hold your peace or be still, Oh God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you, everyone say hate. Hate. Those who hate you have raised their hands. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. Another way to say that is blessed ones, your people. It's talking about Israel. It says they come together. They say, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let, let the name of Israel be removed no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant or a treaty. This isn't just like, hey man, they beat me at baseball the other day in the backyard, like Sandlot, and I got mad. This isn't that kind. This is like, let's gang up and let's really wipe out the entire nation. Old dudes, young dudes, old ladies, young ladies, kids, family dog. They're like, let's just come together and let's just take, take them all out. Just every one of them. So what this is depicting is if you read through, it goes through all these people. And if you take and put those people in the land that they lived back when this was being said, it's basically like take Israel, make a giant ring around it. And all those nations ganging up together, making a treaty, going after Israel. They're like, we're going to go and we're just going to destroy them. Now we know, because we know world history and we know geography and we know archaeology and that kind of stuff, we know that this hasn't happened yet. So that that brings up a question. When is this going to happen? Have you guys turned on the news lately? Have you guys noticed that everyone around Israel seems to not like Israel? I mean, have you noticed that? It's like, I mean... We once used to be able to say that the U.S. had Israel's back. Now I'm kind of like 50-50. It seems like the the U.S. is just sitting there like flipping a coin and saying, are we going to help Israel? Nope. You know, they're just, we barely have Israel's back. And what would the Bible say? What God say to Abraham? I will bless those who bless you. That's talking about Israel. God says there's going to be a supernatural blessing on people that stand with Israel. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're standing as much with Israel as we could. I don't think we've been walking in supernatural blessing. So Psalms 83 depicts this giant war that's just about to take place. I think it's crazy because I think we can see it happening. It says what's going to happen is all these nations are going to sign a treaty and they're going to go to war against Israel. So what happens? What happens to those nations? Do they win? Do they lose? I mean, you think Israel's pretty small. Psalms 83, verses 9 through 12. They should be up on the screen. It says, do to them as you did to Midian, 
as, and then it goes through a whole bunch of people, and I'm going to try to pronounce these names. Oh, yeah, they're up there, so you can just read them. Uh, it says, do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river of Kishon. You like that? I got that. Uh, who were destroyed at Ender. I mean, it's like just all these places and stuff going on. Who became dung of the ground. Ouch. Uh, make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, uh, and their princes like, I'm not good at pronouncing these names. But anyways, basically what it's saying is, go and make them like all these people. So you want to know what I did this week? I looked up those people. They can all be pretty much found in Judges, for the most part. Do you want to know what happened to all those people that went against Israel back then? They all got wiped out. So this is what... This is what Psalms 83 is saying is going to happen through this prophecy. These nations are going to gang up on Israel. And I hope for the United States' sake that we're not one of those nations. But Psalms 83 says all these nations around Israel are going to gang up and they're going to go to war against Israel. They're going to declare war against Israel. But let me tell you this, God's going to show up. And if you read other parts of the Bible, it kind of sounds like God's going to show up in such a fashion that there's going to be, it's going to be very evident that it was God showing up. God's for Israel. We should be for Israel. Because just like God said to Abraham, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. God's going to show up. So for me, this leaves one last kind of pondering thing in my head. So where does this leave us? If you got your Bibles, flip them into 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 9. If you're taking notes, write down, what about me? Because that's what all of us are asking. Well, what about me, right? What about me? What about us? Isn't that a country song or something? Is it terrible? So I should, I mean, it's probably, it's probably epically terrible with me singing it. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9. It says, but since we belong to the day, that's basically saying, but since we belong to God, since we are followers of Christ, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I love that, hope of salvation. It says in verse 9, for God has, destined, for God has not destined us for wrath. Everyone say, not. Not. Because, because we follow God, we have this awesome supernatural protection. As long as we put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and for salvation or hope of salvation, we have not been destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you guys ever noticed that someone living for God has hope that someone not living for God doesn't have. Like when, when you live for God, you can go through traumatic events and just some, something weird about it. You just got peace and you got joy. 
a lot of people think, oh, if you live for God, you have happiness. Happiness, if you look at the root word, comes from happenings around you. It's because of an external circumstance making you happy. But when you live for God, you've got joy. Joy comes from inside. In 2 Timothy, I'm going to read this verse word for word. In 2 Timothy, it says this. In uh, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Um, I'm going to just throw, out, throw this out to you guys as a challenge. Be prepared in season and out of season. Just be ready for, for whatever God has. Be encouraged because we have hope. Because we're standing with God, we've got hope. Hebrews 11, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It is the assurance that they, of things, the assurance about things we cannot see. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18 says, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will raise from their graves, then together with them, who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Oh man, I love that. We will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other in these words. Can you guys go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes? About... Six, just over six years ago, something happened in my life that was kind of one of those moments that just define you. I'm sure most of us have had that where something that's not good just happens to you. Not that it was the will of God or anything like that, but it just, it just happens to you and it kind of defines you. In 2008, August of 2008, my mom passed away. It was something that was kind of expected, so that made it a little bit easier, but it was still, I mean, it just, it just kind of tears at you. The craziest thing was this. Through that situation, because of my faith in God, I had a foundation to stand on. Just like Matthew chapter 7 says, when the storm comes, you'll stand if you have God as your foundation. Through that event in my life, I had God as my foundation to stand on. I had a hope even though things naturally seemed hopeless because of my faith. My brothers and my sister, on the other hand, did not have that hope. And I could tell you that they struggled for a while. And I've seen this over and over again in my life. People who have a faith in God, though external circumstances may be crazy, though the world may be in a hostile moment, 
Though things may fall apart, they can stand on God. Because they have an understanding that this isn't permanent, this is temporary. It's probably a good word for us today. This is it's temporary. So live it like it's temporary. Don't live it like it's permanent. Just live for God with everything you've got. In Joel, the verse I started with, it says, And it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prosper, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it shall come to pass that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to open up an opportunity for you today, November 9th, it's about 10.40 a.m. You're still probably kind of waking up. But I want to open up an opportunity that if you have not called on the name of the Lord, if you have not said, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you. If you haven't done that, I want to open up an opportunity. Because the Bible is very clear that You can have hope. You can have faith that there's blessing ahead because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And though the world may be in a hostile moment, you can have peace. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to go one, two, three. And when I go three, when I say three, if you say, I want that, I just want you to raise up your hand. Nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. And just like me, when I had that horrible thing happen several years ago, I had had a glimpse of hope. You can have a glimpse of hope, even though the world may go crazy. So when I count to three, if that's you, I want you to raise up your hand. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, one, two, three. Raise up your hands right now if that's you. Yep, hands going up, hands going up. Yep, raise them up. All right, that's awesome. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer, and after I, can you repeat after me? This prayer is just something, it's just you calling on God. That's all it is. It's those who call in the name of the Lord, so we just got to call in the name of the Lord, and I'm just going to help you lead through that. So whether you raise your hands or you didn't, can you just repeat this after me and say, Jesus, today I call on your name. And I ask for forgiveness of the mistakes that I've made. And I choose to surrender my entire life to you. My yesterday, my today, and my tomorrow. And I just thank you that you've washed me clean and made me whole 
and healed. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Excellent.